Okay, so we begin our Advent journey and such importance. Um, and this passage fits well because what is the essence is it's in Advent, we're waiting, we're preparing, and that takes faith. If we don't have a basis of faith, I, I get some comments. I got one this weekend that was saying, where's the scientific proof on one of my talks about Eucharistic miracles? First of all, there actually is scientific proof on Eucharistic miracles. But the essence is that is what faith is. Faith is exactly that. You know, a centurion, I think the name centurion comes from a, uh, a leader in the ranks of the military that was in charge of 100 men. Um, this, this centurion shows really a stronger faith than even my favorite gospel passage, the four men and the paralytic. You know, the four men that went to lower the sick man through the roof, just so what? That Jesus could touch them. They were determined that Jesus needed to touch him to heal him. Now that took faith. But this centurion has a greater faith than even those four men in the paralytic because he has so much faith that he believes if Jesus just says the word, he will heal him, not have to actually even touch him. He thought the word of Christ alone was sufficient to raise this person from sickness not actually even have to touch him just say it that's why at the mass we say lord i'm not worthy that you should enter under my roof just say the word and my soul shall be healed now this soldier uh, he well knew you know you could say he knew well that a command had to be instantly carried out and he said that. He said, when I say a command, people obey. He knew that Jesus was the same. He had that kind of authority that if he just said the word, it would be obeyed. In this case, even by the sickness. That's pretty powerful. Basically, he was saying, all you have to do is speak the word of command and that will be obeyed. So all you have to do is command that my servant will be healed and it will happen. That's why Jesus said he had such faith. To think of healing at a distance without having to come and actually touch the person, just healing them with the word, was something way beyond the Jews of the time. Do we believe like this? I think we could see it even with the mass. You always hear me make the point that people will drive 100 miles to come to our healing masses here on Thursdays last Thursday of the month, and people drive 100 miles to come because it's a healing mass where the priest will take oil and bless you in a physical touch. But yet they won't go to their own mass on Sunday three miles down the road. There is that belief that it has to be physical, that it has to be touch, or I don't have the faith that it'll happen. This centurion teaches us that you just have to speak the word, Lord, and it will happen. You know, the centurion's slave was probably his whole entire family. Um, Roman soldiers were not permitted to have legal families during the time they served in the military. That's really interesting. So this guy probably wasn't allowed to have a family, but yet the slave was his probably entire family. 
So he wanted him cured, and by asking Jesus to help, he risked a lot of ridicule, his fellow soldiers, uh, the mockery of the Jews, um, because here's a high and mighty Roman soldier that's turning to this ragtag carpenter dressed in sandals and torn clothing, and basically says, Lord, I am not worthy that you should enter under my roof, but only say the word, and he shall be healed. Why did he do this? Well, not only did he have the faith that Jesus just had to speak, but a Jew could not enter the house of a Gentile because they were unclean. So basically, this showed this Roman's respect for Jesus and the Jews. You know, that's quite amazing in and of itself. You know, the Jews thought only other Jews were worthy of having their house entered. So the Jews, basically, the Lord's teaching them a lesson here that the passport to God is not just because you're a Jew. That's why at the end he said, they will come from the east and the west and recline at table with Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. What's he talking about? The Gentiles. He's talking about non-Jews. Why then could a non-Jew get in and a Jew can't get into heaven, which was shocking to the Jews? It's based on faith. He said faith is what amazed him. And then this man who had faith, the centurion, backed it up by calling on Jesus. He didn't say, well, you know, I'll just believe and walk away. No, he called on Jesus, right? This is why Jesus rewarded him. You know, it might be that his unexpected love for a slave or a, or a servant is what moved Jesus so much. Because what does it say? Love covers a multitude of sins, right? This is why it's important for us Catholics to understand our belief in intercession. One of the most common things that I have to defend online is people continuously, and this is good because we're reaching non-Catholics, but continuously criticizing the church for intercessory prayer. They're dead people. They can't do anything. Um, baptism, infant baptism, I think, is a good example. Non-Catholics will say, how dare you baptize a young child? They have to make that choice for themselves. Wait a minute. Did the slave make his choice for himself to be cured? How was the servant cured? The servant was cured by the intercession of the centurion. It's... It's the faith, our teaching of our Catholic faith is the faith of one can give grace to another. My faith and my acceptance of my vocation, along with all my brothers, will bring grace to the families. There's no question about it. And the faith of the parents who are baptizing their infant will bring grace to the infant. We all need grace. And so it's very clear in Scripture that the faith of one can give grace to another. Jesus just proved it. What about the four men and the paralytic? What did he say to the man on the mat? Did he say, go and walk, your faith has healed you? No, he didn't. He looked up at the four men that lowered the man through the roof, and he said, their faith has healed you. 
That's the whole, that's the whole biblical uh, confirmation of the Catholic view on intercession. Well, there's only one way to the Father, only one way, and that's Jesus. Yes, that's the only one way, but people don't understand this. When people say that Jesus is the only mediator, we don't mean that you can't ask another person for prayers. That's not what Paul meant. What Paul meant that Jesus is the only mediator is Jesus is the only way to the Father. This is true, but there are many ways to Jesus. As I've said before, have you ever brought anybody to Jesus? Then you're a mediator. How did Peter come to Jesus? Through his brother Andrew. How did Nathaniel come to Jesus? Philip. How then is it wrong to have intercessory prayer? The Bible says, well, these are dead people. No, the Bible says God is the God of the living. What about Moses on the mountain of the transfiguration? He was communicating quite clearly and Moses had already died. Jesus met Moses on that mountain. Now, when Paul proclaims Jesus is the one mediator, the text excludes, this is true, parallel mediation, meaning there's none equal to Jesus, the mediator. But it does not exclude subordinate mediation. What does this mean? All right. Paul, right before stating Jesus is the one mediator, now this is in Thessalonians, he says, quote, supplications, prayers, intercessions, and thanksgivings should be made for all men. He's telling us right there. So if subordinate mediation was not allowed, and Paul could never have said that. And in fact, if it's not allowed, when anybody asks you for prayers for their sick loved ones, you got to say, I'm sorry, I can't. The Bible says Jesus is the only mediator. So that really sick child of yours, I'm sorry, I can't pray for them because that would violate Jesus being the only mediator. Because if I pray for your child, I now become a mediator, and that can't happen. So sorry, I can't pray for them. Come on. We would never say that. We are subordinate mediators. We're not the mediator. And moreover, the Greek word used in the scriptures, you all know that, right, the Bibles were written in Greek. The Greek word for one that Paul uses in one mediator is not monos, which would mean the only one. He uses the word eis, which actually means one in a series, but the first one, the primary one, the main one, the principal one. Jesus, yes, is the principal mediator. He's the only way to the Father. But a lot of submediators take us to Jesus. As I mentioned, hopefully you're doing that with your own family. Now, Christians, we act as submediators all the, all the time when we, in Christ, when we pray for our neighbors, our loved ones, when we share the gospel or serve the poor. This is important. The Bible says that our growth in faith, that's the whole message of this story, and holiness 
is aided by the intercession of other members of the body of Christ. Father, where is that in the Bible? All right, that's in Ephesians, Thessalonians, 1 Timothy, etc. There's no better intercession to get to Jesus than his mother. So let us not forget Mary in this time as well. So anyway, I want to finish because this passage has so much for preparation for Lent. You know, it's funny because we're talking here about a centurion, as I said. And you know what's funny is every time a centurion was mentioned in the New Testament, it was done with honor. These were honorable men. There was the centurion who recognized Jesus as the Son of God on the cross. Remember, Ernest Borgnine played him in, in, uh, in one of the old 50s movies on Jesus Christ. I think it... Um, um, the greatest story ever told or something. But I think tradition says that's Longinus, right? So Longinus is at the foot of the cross and says, truly, this was the Son of God. What about Cornelius? I used to live in the town next to Cornelius in North Carolina. Who was he? He was the first Gentile convert to, Christian, to the Christian church. He was a Roman centurion. The very first convert was a Roman centurion. Then there was that centurion, I believe his name was Julius, who suddenly discovered that Paul was a Roman citizen when he was shackled and imprisoned and rescued him from that rioting mob. So this was a centurion. They've been looked upon in the Bible with honor, but there was something extra special about this centurion, the one here at Capernaum. He had faith. He had faith. You know, only twice in the whole Bible does it say Jesus was amazed. Only two times in the entire Bible does it say Jesus was amazed. One is right here. He had a amazement at this Gentile's faith. And the only other time it says Jesus was amazed is in Mark 6, 6, when his own hometown had no belief. He was utterly amazed at their lack of belief and lack of faith. So it's both of those times Jesus was amazed was regarding the faith of the people. Why? Why was Jesus amazed at the faith of these two? Why? I think it's because in the centurion, here's a Gentile that wasn't supposed to have faith. And he was the one that had all the faith. And then in Jesus' hometown, they were, the, they were supposed to be the ones with the faith. And they didn't have it. And that amazed Jesus. So really, when you look at it, Jesus was amazed because here's a guy that shouldn't, should not have faith, and he did, and here's a whole town that Jesus came from that should have faith, and they did not. So Jesus couldn't even work miracles there. So these are the two times Jesus was amazed. You know, it's often those closest to the truth that most don't see it. We are a country with the most freedoms in the history of the world, yet we are blinded to the importance of that freedom. We actually think that freedom now is a bad thing. We actually think 
that because of fear, we need to be stripped of freedom. Candace Owen did a great talk on the internet recently, and she said that's the first stage of any control is you got to strike fear into people. Now, that doesn't mean we're not to be prudent, properly seek the right medical treatment, and, and be you know, smart about how we approach everything and the virus and whatnot. This is true. But she said the first stage in taking complete and utter control is you got to strike fear into the people. Then you can, can take total control. And so we here in the United States, the country that should see freedom are the ones that are blinded as it's being taken away. And I think that's what Jesus is saying with faith. Here the people in his own hometown that should have seen the faith, should have faith, should see faith are the ones that didn't. And here's this guy, the centurion, who shouldn't because he's just a Gentile and he's got it. How ironic. I think in a lot of ways that's why the Catholic faith is growing in Africa. They're really not the ones who should have it, yet they do have faith and it's growing there. And we in the West, who should have the faith, we have 2,000 years of tradition, we're losing it. Those who have had the least exposure to the truth are sometimes the ones that most recognize its power. Look at the difference when Jesus was born. Who didn't see the beauty of Jesus being born? The Pharisees, the Jews. But who did see it? The Magi, the Gentiles. And they came and they worshiped him. So let us not miss the lesson that's going to pave the entire way for our advent. Faith. God bless all of you, and let us have a very faithful advent. Are you a Marian helper? Join our Spiritual Benefit Society and start sharing in the graces of all the daily masses, prayers, and good works of Marian priests and brothers all over the world. Sign up is free and easy. Simply visit micprayers.org. That's micprayers.org. Thank you, and God bless you. Please follow or subscribe to this podcast to receive the latest episodes and updates. If you have been blessed by this podcast, I invite you to leave a review. Reviews greatly improve our podcast ranking and will help spread this podcast to other people throughout the world. Are you enjoying this podcast? I invite you to listen to more shows brought to you by the Marian Fathers of the Immaculate Conception. Join us daily for enriching spiritual content, which will help you on your journey with Jesus Christ. Simply visit divinemercyplus.org for a complete list of our shows. That's divinemercyplus.org. Are you a Marian helper? Join our Spiritual Benefit Society and start sharing in the graces of all the daily masses, prayers, and good works of Marian priests and brothers all over the world. Sign up is free and easy. Simply visit micprayers.org. That's micprayers.org. Thank you, and God bless you.